Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John and back from a long time away, that's Ian. Woo, I'm back baby. <laughs> Until the army takes you away again. Yeah, I'm like two to three weeks. <laughs> this year is going to be ridiculous, but I'll, go, I'll get through it. Alright, in any case, this is episode 60. We are recording on May 24th and the title is uh, They Broke Our Marvelous Toys because we're going to talk about Etherworks Marvel, is it broken in standard, and what kind of a broken format looks like? Yeah, uh, mainly kind of bringing this up just because of the pro tour that's happened and how some people think that a certain particular deck, Aetherworks Marvel, is broken and busted in half. It's definitely yeah. representing a ton of metagame, and we're just going to talk about standard metas and some other fun times. Uh, also, 1v1 Commander, because that's a hot-button topic that just had some ban yeah. updates. Yeah today yeah but first we're going to turn our eyes to the community real quick because in in the interim between our last episode and this episode uh we had an announcement from mark rosewater that they're starting a new division i'm called i think this is the right terminology inside r&d called play design uh currently has three members uh melissa detora andrew brown and dan burdick who's the name you are most likely not to have heard of um, but all these players have uh, high tournament finishes. Melissa Dator notable as being the first woman to pro- top eight a Pro Tour. Uh, Andrew Brown, I think, has a Pro Tour top eight to his name as well. And I assume Dan has one as well. I don't know. He shows up in all sorts of Magic history kind of stuff when you look look him up. Not a lot. Not a huge, I guess, footprint out there that you can find googling anymore. But all the old stuff and all the older players seem to know him. So I sure. Okay, this goes to show that John and I are relatively new to the game. So yeah. <laughs> Or <laughs> I took a break, but whatever. Yes, educate us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so also, um, in the last time that we talked, I went to the pro tour. We've already had a few things go out. I have a few more things that I'm working on. Going to go out soon. And Ian, you got to do something cool last weekend. Yeah. So, um, kind of side note from Magic, but also involving Magic. Um, as you might know, Card Kingdom. Excellent store up in the Seattle area, now rebranded to Mox Boarding House. There was a Mox Boarding House. It was in Bellevue, but now they're rebranding the entire storefront, both in Seattle and Bellevue to Mox Boarding House. It's going to get a little confusing. However, they love to have affiliate uh, out there uh, in terms of content creators like uh, MTA, Magic the Amateuring, uh, Loading Ready Run, Command Zone, uh, Professor at uh, Thunder Community College, and a bunch of other people um, all have their affiliate codes and stuff like that with them and this past weekend was a fundraiser uh, for Treehouse, which is a charity that involves uh, oh man, uh, foster kids and helping them you know get a head start in life um, because pe- people have gone through uh, children that have gone through this Treehouse program have shown that they have done better in school and better once they get out of the uh, foster care system and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah. However, they to raise money for it, they have this event called The Gauntlet, where a bunch of people get together and play board games. Uh, a lot of local teams. Watsy fields two teams. Bungie fields a team. Uh, uh, Paizo, who makes Pathfinder, fields a team. Yeah. Um, a bunch of, like, a, a lot. the Seattle Avengers, like a local cosplay group, had a representation there this year. Um, but, yeah, so they get together, play some board games and everything like that. And what's great is that they invited and flew out a bunch of these uh, affiliates they have. So the professor flew out, uh, Maria from MTA Cast flew out, Graham got to come down, and Melissa DeTora was also around hanging out with this. They also had Chris Van Meter on their team as well, but Melissa was on Watsy Red team, I believe it was Watsy yes. Red, because they have a Watsy Red and Watsy Blue. So, but anyway, um, We'll actually post a link to this in, down below, but Graham did a vlog of, I got to draft with them. The professor was like, hey, we're going to be in town for this. And I'm like, wait, you're going to be in town? He's like, yeah, come draft with us. Come hang out, have some drinks. And I'm like, sure, all right, because <laughs> I am friends with a bunch of them. So it was actually kind of nice to get to see them. Uh, I got to draft some Amonkhet. I went 2-0, uh, going 4-0 in both my games, beat the professor and Melissa. So I actually have beaten Melissa in draft. Yay. Hashtag humble brags. It's not a sanctioned event. It doesn't count. I know it doesn't, but it, I'm, I'm putting it on the roster. I'm putting it on my accomplishments anyway. No. She had a pretty decent Jun deck that was splashing red for Glorybringer. That's a that's a good card that I've I, I beat Resolved Glorybringer twice. So That's very hard to do. Oh, no, yeah. It's very was, hard to beat a Resolved Glorybringer. I, well, I was going red-black in pack one, and then 
realized that everybody was drafting it, and I'd noticed that basically at the end of pack one, the last like five or six cards in like every pack was like blue. So I snapped switch into blue white and ended up with an okay blue white deck. I put I tweeted I'll put a link to that my deck in the chat notes as well, um, or show notes. However, lay claim stealing a glory bringer, not bad. <laughs> Yeah, Lay Claim is a very absurd card when you can cast it. It's just yeah. uh, so good. Funnily enough, though, like I actually posed, posited this first pick to a bunch of people, and like apparently I picked wrong. Um, Glyph, uh, Ke- Glyph Keeper over Lay Claim. Yeah, Glyph Keeper is just absurd. This, it is nearly impossible to kill it. It was pack two, pick one, which definitely yeah, set me on my course towards, like I'm like, oh shit, blue is open a lot. Also, I just drafted basically a pretty bomb uncommon or just a ridiculous rare, and I passed the rare. <laughs> Glyphkeeper is really hard to kill. Um, it does trade a lot in the air, like it trades with uh, a Gustwalker, but it's still just really, really good. It it almost always dies in combat alone. It doesn't. It hardly ever dies outside of those scenarios. Yeah, I'll, absolutely. Like I mean, I know it dies out of combat, but the reason why I went with Lay Claim was I was just like. I've seen it do some crazy stuff, stealing some pretty awesome things, and I mean it worked against Glorybringer, but your miles may not your miles may vary. <laughs> lay claim is only as good as the best target on the other side of the field. That said, I have also had fun with lay claim. It it's it's not bad. It is not bad. So let's go ahead and jump on in to kind of uh part of our main topic, which is the 1v1 Commander Leagues, which I kind of railed on in one of my exalted episodes. Uh, mainly because they were doing the same ban list as 1v1 for ED- for multiplayer. Yeah. And that doesn't work. That's not going to work well. Uh, basically, it's a bunch of broken things, a bunch of fast, broken fast mana. Uh, and today, they added three new cards to the ban list. They added Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time, and Strip Mine. Yeah. Um, I actually saw some of the decks. I, I decided to look through it. I haven't really looked at much of the Commander 1v1 stuff because it just feels like a different ridiculous kind of canadian highlander cough it basically is <laughs> i mean with the exception of you know having a commander and color identity mattering um frankly i i know it's kind of bad but i just rather like with everything i'm reading about 1v1 i just rather stick with highlander at this point for me personally but that's me different strokes for different folks i gotcha however um the fact that blue or just mono green big stuff seems to be the big play i mean uh, i don't know like apparently so i i looked it up people were like one of the big beefs that people have with this like you mentioned it uses the multiplayer edh ban list well there's french well, no no they they made they made a new band list oh well but i mean they they borrowed some of the stuff from that but there's a french dual commander that kind of does the same thing of 1v1 and tassiger apparently is banned as a commander in that format but he's legal in yeah. this one so you get awesomeness and sultai of all the blue draw spells and all the black and green counter kill kind of stuff it's kind of broken but the big deck uh the the beast of the format right now is brawl so a mono blue deck which literally plays the greatest hits of any and all uh control cards so all your card all your broken card draw spells from back in the day so you're talking like it's all your ancestrals and well well just vision the power nine is banned really oh yeah Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I saw Mox. I'm like Mox, but, but no, but, it's a Chrome and Mox Diamond. But I mean, yeah, yeah. It, you're talking like literally the greatest hits of counter spells, but it's with Baral. So you t- you cast Baral on turn two, and then all of your instant sorcery spells are one less to cast, and you may draw a card and discard. So you literally get sculpt a perfect hand, cheaper counter spells. I mean, I hear Cyclonic Rift is a hell of a card. It really is. Now, the way that this deck wins is hilarious. Because it wins with uh, Polymorph. Because <laughs> guess who's legal in 1v1 but not multiplayer? Emmy. Emrakul the Eons Torn. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's really rough. I forgot. I was like, why is there only one creature? And then you mentioned Polymorph. I'm like, right. You only ever yeah, hit polymorph, one creature. Synthetic Destiny, which is a new one from Commander 2015. Yeah. Or 20, no, it was 2016. And, or no, no, it was 2015. It's 15. And then, and then reweave a card that i had never heard of before oh well because it's from champions of kamigawa of course yeah. you wouldn't <laughs> yeah it's an arcane essentially it's a polymorph for a specific card type essentially for a uh, specific permanent but regardless it's just oh man i won't lie like one of the decks that caught my eye that i thought was actually pretty cool was it's 
it's listed as under Thrasios Triton Hero, but it's a four color, not white deck. It's got Vile Smasher and Thrasios, so it's got partner commanders. Because Vile Smasher is hilarious because whenever you cast your first spell each turn, Vile Smasher deals the damage equal that spells convert mana cost to an opponent chosen at random. Well, there's only one opponent, but it's got Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time and Mystic Confluence and Misdirection and Gush. Yeah. Hey, you hear about returning two islands to your hand to cast it and then dealing five damage to your opponent? Seems dece. Yeah, Vile Smasher is a little busted in 1v1 play. Uh, it Vile Smasher also recently got banned as a 1v1 commander. Oh, it did? Yes. Uh, other cards that got hit in that way for 1v1 uh, are using the French ban list uh, was uh, Brea. Ah. Brea also got hit. But yeah, she's gross. That's that. That's the difference between the, the Watsi cultivated list and the list cultivated by uh, the European players. Yeah. Who I'm assuming it's mostly European players who cultivate that list. Yeah, to be fair, John and I don't really play a whole lot of 1v1 commander, so we aren't going to really talk about how to fix this kind of thing, to be fair. But... Literally, it's basically you're either playing green ramp with Nissa Vasswood Seer kind of decks with like, you know, primetime and all those lovely green ramp spells, or you're playing blue. Yeah. And blue and green are already the two best colors in Commander anyways. Oh, also, what's funny here is um, <laughs> one of the decks in the top thing, I'm looking at the metal lists off of MTG Goldfish, will actually be, just went brief, brief front here, MTG Goldfish is the de- is the site where we pulled most of our metagame talk for in terms of percentages, because it's one of the best ones in terms of just clear, concise uh, percentage-wise, but Gitrog Monster, that deck's hosed now. <laughs> yeah. Because the whole point of the Gitrog Frog is you get Crucible Worlds out after you ramp up a bunch of stuff, and then you just get a bunch of lands in your hands, and you can just, you know, go crazy with Strip Mine. And I mean, worlds. you can also just generate infinite mana, but that let, let's not get crazy. Oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into that shenanigans, but it has. <laughs> I, I was just going with the ban list stuff from today, yeah, like yeah. strip mine, like one of the key pieces that we would probably utilize to keep another deck in check is the cru- is the strip mine crucible world lock kind of thing. Yeah. Also, sh- life from the loam strip mine is pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's kind of gross. So, but but anyways, one v one is gonna change a little bit. It's it's hopefully for the better. It's got growing pains for sure. I don't think that these banlings were enough. I will say that. Oh, I yeah. Well, like I said, this is relatively new format. I mean, obviously, they're trying out some new stuff with it, uh, new different ban lists and stuff. So this is going to be one where they just don't have the vol- sheer volume of data necessarily that they need to make a direct targeted kind of uh, sculpted ban that would probably shake the format up enough to the point where it's healthy. Uh, we're going to talk about some of that stuff later, too, uh, in, in, ref- yeah. in reference to other formats that have had some kind of sculpting bands going on. But Yeah. So hopefully 1v1 gets better than Blue Mirrors and Mono Green Ramp. Oh, totally. So now on to, yeah. the, on to the namesake of the show. Standard. So the sta- the Pro Tour was a few weeks ago, and we had uh, GPs Montreal and Santiago uh, last weekend. And kind of the deck du jour of the weekend... Uh, or both weekends essentially was these uh, Marvel decks, whether they're a Teamer or a Sultai or whatever your uh, choice du jour is for how you want to cast your Ulamogs on turn four. Yeah, so remember the the PT was won by Mono Black Zombies, so it it Jerry T did a great job, awesome. However, second place was Teamer Aetherwork or Teamer Marvel at GP Montreal. The top two decks, first and second place, was a Marvel Mirror. At Grand Prix Santiago, the top two was a Marvel Mirror. It's not looking amazing. Also, by the way, I should say yeah. the standard classic at SCG Louisville the other weekend. <gasps> Teamer Aetherworks, Teamer Dynavolt, Teamer Aetherworks, Teamer Tower. Literally the top four were all Teamer artifact-based decks. Granted, Teamer Tower being like, woo, welcome back, buddy. <laughs> I, I switched over yeah, to that Marvel... from our, uh, our Grixis build, but no, Marvel is a thing... Uh, I crunched the numbers as well using, again, the meta pool um, numbers. So MTG Goldfish pulls from standard competitive leagues online that Watsi posts on the mothership. So these are decks that are 5-0 and in leagues. They also pull from different tournaments like the uh, Classics and the S- Opens from SCG, Grand Prix, Pro Tours, and online Mox events. So this is... They basically pull from like any competitive level event yeah any major post their results yeah any major ones you might not get a lot of european tournament postings you can check mtgtop8.com 
they'll have a little bit more of a wider swath of European lists and stuff like that. But for us American players, a pretty good representation of what the game looks like can relatively be found on that part of the site. So the top four archetypes, let's call it. So we're talking Team or Aetherworks, Marvel, Mardu Vehicles, the combination of both Mono Black and White Zombies, which are called Zombies, and Blue-Red Control account for about 75% of the meta. Three quarters of the decks that are out there, you have a good chance of basically flip a coin four times and you're going to hit one of these four decks three of those four times. And Marvel makes up uh, about just over a third yeah. of the meta, period. It's about 30%, which is bananas, but it's not yeah. the worst that we've ever seen in terms of a crazy standard. But still, just it's it's definitely not a diverse format right now. And people well, are saying it's broken. Um, we well, here, here's my here's my thoughts on Marvel. Just kind of go ahead and codify those real quick. I think Marvel is a really, really fun card. There is a lot of fun equity in, you know, spinning the Marvel and seeing what you hit. Seeing, you know, what is it that I'm going to be casting off this Marvel. And but that fun equity kind of gets turned into it makes it much more obvious that Magic's a zero sum game as far as fun's concerned, because why why let my opponent have any fun when I can have all the fun? When you start hitting Ulamogs or you start hitting Emrakuls, which she got banned partly because of the Marvel decks. Also casting her on turn four. Also the degeneracy of the uh, Delirium decks too. Yeah. They that just, was another reason of it, but they just didn't, Marvel they just, was a big thing. Yeah, they actually mentioned in the ban for good old Emmy is that they just didn't expect players to go full hog on just powering out Emrakul as quickly as possible. And it was just like, again, going back to the whole play design division now, they're going to be looking at you know decks and stuff like that and kind of metagames and making sure a format is healthy. So whereas, you know, in a future future league, you might be like, oh, Emrakul wasn't getting played a whole lot. They might be like, well, tournament players are going to go ham on whatever the heck they could possibly do the most broken in this. Yeah. You print and a 13. The play division is made up of players with top eights of pro tours to their names. And they're still hiring people. Yeah. Like if, if there's people out there who are interested that are like pros who've top eighted PTs or done really well in certain events, like they're going to get hired for this, for this division. Yeah, um, but like when you print a thirteen thirteen with cost reduction, come on, <laughs> yeah, come on, even a thirteen mana, even a thirteen mana, come on, yeah, just count your card types um, and figure it out. No, um, it's it's kind of crazy to be perfectly honest. Um, it like every, the whole like the whole hype was people looking at like the uh, the new what's it called? You have it in here. Uh, oh, the French deck, like new perspectives kind of decks and stuff like that. Cycling yeah. decks, Drake Haven, like. That would be such a cool deck to have in standard as like a viable option, but it just has the literal worst matchup in Marvel, so nobody's gonna play it. I mean, new perspectives, you don't want that to be the best deck. It's like Storm. You don't want Storm to be the best deck in the format. Oh, absolutely not. Like, I would prefer Marvel be the best deck in the format to new perspectives. Yeah. I I know, <laughs> I, I agree I agree. It's just that okay, so one thing we also really should mention here too is we a while back kind of forget exactly how far back but they announced that um standard will be going from the quick rotation that it was to a more extended rotation like it used to be even with the new two block paradigm so at this was it supposed to be banned by now or not banned uh, just rotated. battle for zendikar would have rotated out by now yeah so bfz and oath of the gatewatch would not be standard playable anymore so you wouldn't even need to worry about hey let's unban reflector mage reflector mage wouldn't be standard legal anymore um, your duels uh, from battle, your battle duels will be, wouldn't be there. Uh, what other big cards from that set are still played? Well, it's basically Ulamog. Oh, uh, Gideon. Gideon wouldn't be in standard Gideon, anymore. Gideon Alley of Zendikar. Uh, also, all of the C-cost Eldrazi, like Reality Smash or Thought Not Seer, which aren't seeing a ton of play right now. They wouldn't be legal either. Yeah. Um, a few more fringe cards that wouldn't be legal include uh, Dispel, Sphinx of the Final Word, um what else uh void shatter i'm thinking of all the blue red cards because that's what i played in standard um those would be the big ones uh obnixilis he's not really seeing play much right now but he wouldn't be legal um really not a uh, not a whole lot of like the creature lands oh transgress the mind as well yeah yeah transgress the mind uh the creature lands yeah that was too chandra they wouldn't be chandra flame caller which is one of the uh 
best answers to the zombie decks out there. From Marvel. Yeah, from yeah for red red control decks and stuff like that. Also, hell, heck, Marvel's playing it too because it's a nice hit to hit off of Marvel as well. Yeah, but but anyways, um, that's a whole different discussion. Um, oh, obviously, yeah, but it has contributed to the fact that it has made the meta kind of get a little bit out of hand. We're a little, a little in a lame duck standard, in my opinion. I, I because would... the Amonkhet cards weren't made necessarily to interact with the Battle for Zendikar cards, like. Ulamog was not supposed to be here yeah. by this time. And the Marvel decks would either just be non-existent or they would be just, oh, these value Marvel decks that, oh, this time you hit a Bruna or something like that. Yeah. So what we have now is we're like, we mentioned lame duck kind of format because they actually mentioned, I believe Rose, Mark Rosewater did that, or was it Stoddard or Forsyth? One of those guys. They mentioned that they're actually, they had time to kind of tweak some of Hour of Devastation with this new standard in mind. They had last-minute last emergency changes to Amonkhet right before Aether Revolt came out. Right. And then I think that Hour of Devastation would be, is a little more prepared. Yeah, so it's not... We, we probably, like, obviously, there wasn't enough of a change. We, unless they'd, like, do a lovely, like, expose and, like, hey, these are the emergency changes we made to kind of, like, mess with the format a little bit to tweak it. Um we can only guess and hypothesize these kind of things. However, I really hope that our devastation um, kind of shakes it up again, but that's not going to be until like middle of the summer. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Also, um, also remember the next banner restricted announcement doesn't happen until June 14th, which is the week of Grand Prix Vegas. And the effective date won't be until after that weekend. So expect to see Marvel and or, other craziness through now till at least gp vegas well gp vegas isn't even standard i know what it, well i'm saying doing side events side events yeah. that's what i'm saying that's what i was kind of yeah. side events in, in that because yeah it's legacy limited modern. so let's go ahead and move on to i guess the next the next question that we are kind of sort of discussing without actually talking about it is what makes a format broken what makes a magic format when you look at it and you try to you know pick apart like why is this format not fun why is this format kind of devolving into a kind of a broken mess uh, and a few things come to mind really what sounded like you were gonna say something oh no i wasn't okay <laughs> so we'll fix it to post or not ah. probably not um so first up uh high metagame share of like one to two specific decks and i'm not talking like you know two decks make up 40% of the field. I'm talking like one to two decks making up like 80% of the field. Like my threshold for high metagame share is somewhere in the 60 to 75 range where, you know, a majority of the decks I'm going to play are one of these two decks. Yeah. Like for ignoring variants. Yeah. So the, the main, I guess you would call it the granddaddy of all broken decks would be uh, of recent memory, of not rec- of old memory. Oh, of recent memory. okay. Yeah. Cause then you can get into stuff like combo winter, but we're going to, Stay way away from Combo Winter. We didn't play during that. Oh, no. Um, of more recent memory, Callblade. Like, in terms of just absolutely warping a format, like the Call Go decks of basically playing nothing but the best of the best control cards in, you know... Like, the original version of it with the Call Go... The reason the Call was it just played four Squadron Hawks. That's it. Everything else was, like, Spell Pierce, Mana League, like... You name some of the best con- uh, control cards in modern; they were in this deck in standard. Um, it also played Jace the Mind Sculptor, who uh, fits another one of our criteria for kind of uh, how a format can be broken. And Gideon, like the reason they play also Gideon Jura, like just an yeah. insane like card. Day of Judgment, destroy all creatures. Hey, how's four mana rats sound? You sweet. Yeah, Journey to Nowhere, uh, exiling stuff, condemn just. Hey, put something on the bottom of its owner's library and just like never let them have a good attacker. It's and then the, and then they got printed swords. <laughs> yeah. Now the big thing to remember about this meta is that there are people playing Jace Bellerin in their sideboard to kill their opponents. Jace the Mind Sculptors. Oh yeah. Reason being is- because that was when the uh, Planeswalker uniqueness rule specified only one on the battlefield before they changed it to the new version. Yeah, where you could, one each person can have a uh, Planeswalker that because it was really like. There's only one Planeswalker named Jace, and it can only be around at one at a time. Yeah, it, it was weird. And it checked timestamps and everything. Basically. Yeah. Um, anyways, that is kind of uh, kind of the gist for high metagame share. The next one is 
you know, formats that kind of just warp around the card. Uh, Jace being one of the prime ones, because I remember hearing tales of a GP that was in Texas, I believe, where the top eight was eight Jace decks. Uh, half of them were Cobblade, half of them were like Teamer Ramp with Inferno Titan and Lotus Cobras and whatever. <laughs> um, that's one way a format can get can get can get warped. Uh, the other way is when you look at like recent standard. Look at Aethervolt standard. The entire format was warped around the Felidar Guardian Saheliarite combo. Yeah, it's can you beat this combo if you can't don't play the deck or just accept the fact you're gonna lose to like you're gonna lose easily three four matches in in a tournament. Like I was talking with uh, with Vinny at game day, uh, he did not do so well. I made semis with Blue Ray Control, but my the Blue Ray Control decks aren't playing Tower anymore because Tower was a great answer to the Sahili combo, and without the Sahili combo, Tower is actually kind of slow, dirtily, and ineffective against what we're seeing now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Against some of the stuff we're seeing now, like Aetherworks Marvel, like the Tower decks, just they don't really I mean yeah it's teamer so you have some artifact removal to actually get rid of the marvel but at that point if you don't have counters up ready to go there's no point because they're going to be casting something like a tune with aether to get some energy and then they'll maybe pop down the what we just puzzle knot on two and have a uh aether hub down and then next thing you know they're already hitting their their critical mass of the uh, energy of six on turn four when they play the land um it's kind of crazy that they can do it like that um i mean heck just playing Wolver's puzzle not on two sack it on three you play marvel on four and there's your six off the bat it's yeah it's gross it's disgusting um and a like i know frank carson did math on marvel spins and i actually responded to a tweet of mine like about like the math for it because it was a question uh chris van meter actually had today on twitter about like what are the maths on hitting Ulamog on turn four. And it's like, if you don't hit an Ulamog on turn four, if you're playing four of them in your deck, it's like you're, you're hit. It's like a 50, 50 chance. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Basically. Um, but like, if you look at tower, like let's look at specific Dynavolt tower, which was a big player in kind of the teamer blue, red control decks of the last standard, which we played, which we played. Imagine casting tower against zombies. That's, just, that's not good. Cause that's, cause they were able to pick off like one thing, which, you know, hey, it you know it was great having two towers down and being able to use a magma spray and pick off something like a fel like now magma spray would pick off a Feldar Guardian can exile it, or you could use a shock which would be fine anyway, and it would generate potentially if you had two towers out, one shock could basically give you a whole five damage, but it's yeah, that's it's single target removal is what the yeah. tower is very um, highly adapted for and. Those zombie decks, whew. Yeah, Man. Good luck trying to kill a zombie with two lords in play. Oh, God. Good and luck. Or a lord in the Liliana's Mastery. Blech. Yeah. So Fun deck, though. Very fun deck. Now, if we look at the 1v1 leagues, they're also broken for kind of another reason. And this is the reason why I consider Legacy to be broken, even though it is balanced. And that's color disparity. Because uh, in, in Magic, we have five colors, and ideally, every color has something to do in Standard. Maybe not, like, the best thing to do, but it, it it's represented somewhere. And in the 1v1 Commander Leagues, everyone is either playing blue or green. There's no red, there's no white, and you're you're playing these broken blue decks. Well, if you're playing green, if you're playing green or if you're playing, like, red or white, you're playing it in combination with those other two colors. Exactly. Um, so you also get this idea of, like, color disparity. So, like, if we, look, if we took that criteria and looked at, say, standard, it's not really broken. Um, because in standard you have teamer, teamer etherworks, which is representing three colors and you have black or black, white zombies and you have Mardu vehicles. Like every color is kind of doing something in standard. It doesn't have to be the best. Like it doesn't have to be tier one. That's not what we're saying, but it does kind of, if there's an imbalance in the colors, like when you look at legacy, how the blue cards are just so much better than the other cards that you're almost disincentivized from playing car colors other than blue. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like when when you're dealing with like stuff like ponder, preordain, brainstorm, just the best of the best blue cards. You, you don't want to play other. Why would you play other stuff? Like, yeah, like why? There's no point. Basically, um, but those are kind of the big high metagame share of like one to two decks, specifically like one deck. Like if one deck's like your whole top eight, 
that's a problem. Like affinity, uh, like back in the day, the original standard affinity decks where they had to ban out the lands from under it just because it was causing that much extra issue with giving you artifacts off of your lands. I mean, granted, because you're either playing the affinity deck or the like red green artifact destruction deck with 15 red green artifact destruction cards in your sideboard. <laughs> yeah, which is just like one of those like when it's a you play the deck or you play the deck that beats the deck. <laughs> That's the kind that of that tends to be. That's the highly broken meta. Like in Callblade, it was like Callblade or the deck that be Callblade, <laughs> or was yeah. designed to which, counteract Callblade, which was surprisingly enough Callblade. Um, <laughs> I mean, basically, I mean, and to to be fair, like um, when those formats were like that, like they actually saw tournament attendance tank. Yeah. So it's one thing like where a format could be like, oh, this format's busted, standard busted. Right now, I would say it's broken in the way the Callblade broken. It's definitely not healthy. So I guess that, that brings us to the big question, though. Like, you just said that standard isn't broken, and I, I agree. I don't think standard's in a great place. If I were to give it a grade, I'd give it, like, a C- minus or a C. It's not an A. Oh, no. Like, but it's... I mean, and to be fair, like, we've, you've had some other standards recently where, like, you played this deck or you had a game, uh, game design to beat it, like the four-color rally decks a couple standards ago. Collect a company Collect decks. A company. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, you had to, like, figure out how to beat these particular decks. And standard, I mean, people always say back, like, you ask them, oh, what's your favorite standard? And they always say, like, RTR Innistrad. Because... That's one of the that's one of the big ones that I've had from players who have played during those standards. Because apparently, like, I mean, obviously, this is, like, this is literally, like, the year John and I got back into the game was right around that time for that form, the standard format. But, like, we weren't playing standard, really, at that time. They all say, like, there was just a wide variety of decks. You could just bring a deck and just have fun with it and expect to, you know, hit not a crazy honed-in metagame with those, like... I don't even think they were like if they try were trying for that kind of thing. Great. I mean, I don't know what's changed in the years since, but obviously I mean, since I've played Magic, which was Theros, the best standard that I can recall would be kind of Konzatark here, Fate Reforged, where you had Obzon, then you had the Whip decks, which were mostly Soul Tie, but there were a few Obzon Whip decks. What up? As you are so keen. <laughs> um, yes. There was also just Mono Red Aggro, which was really decent as well in that during that time. Uh, we had Esper Dragons show up uh, once Dragons of Tarkir came out. Uh, like, that those that block of standard was very interesting. Granted, Obzon ended up being the best deck, and then, like, you would have, like, Obzon Aggro and then Obzon Control, and it would just get weird. It was, but, well, yeah, the, the, the varying, various uh, flavors of Obzon, I guess you could say. That was, yeah. that got kind of weird. I mean, you could also make an argument, to be fair, saying that if, like, a health of a format, if you have, like, I've noticed, I've kind of noticed this, like, without a cheap, I guess you could call it, not quite budget, but, like, an inexpensive mono red just beat him up aggro deck the the formats that you and i've been playing in that have had that have been pretty decent the ones that mm -hmm. have not been able to support that have been kind of ridiculous in terms of combo like we had uh, a tarker red during dragons where you play all these creatures then you just kill them with team or battle rage become immense or tarker's command yeah or tarker's command then we also had the mono red deck with abbot of carol keep for magic origins God, that was a fun deck. That was a very fun deck. But yeah, it's like you ha like if you also but see that's one thing where we were talking about like can your deck beat you know the Feldar Guardians to heal right combo like can your deck survive a fast start from an aggro deck? Okay, yeah, cool. Then your deck was basically viable. That was like the mono red check was kind of like the baseline for that you know viability which there's there's a lot of uh philosophy behind whether or not like having a good like just low to the ground red aggressive deck is good for standard i am on the opinion that it is um but i can i would understand that some people may not oh i i agree so. i agree with you on this too but like i also we both see the argument on the other side of like no, we shouldn't have aggro because then it like you know lets fun stuff not be in the format. It's like yeah, well, this well, I, I, it's it's not even. I don't think it's a a complaint against like just aggro decks in general. I think it's more of a complaint of I don't know how to say. I don't know how to put it. Like the deep mono red was a decent deck during Theros RTR standard, um, but 
it still had a rough time beating Sphinx's Revelation and, and the Supreme and, Verdict. And also the various shades of Devotion decks, too. Yeah, it had a hard time beating those, but it still was, like, good enough. Yeah, so... If that makes sense. Well, yeah, and it's fine. Like, you get monocolor of something other than red, and everyone's like, ah, but mono red's like, eh, it's mono red. <laughs> yeah, basically. So let's let's kind of move on to... Let's talk about a format that actually was busted. A format that was, in fact, broken, and has been broken several times, modern. Yes. Because modern has had some instances where decks were around that weren't making things fun, or they were putting undue pressure on the format. Yeah, so the thing with modern, and it's not as old as Legacy, so you don't have to deal with the entire, you know, it's harder for a, a new card, say, to make a huge dent in the legacy metagame mainly because it's got the whole card pool unless it like I mean, and like, it has the blue problem like when delver came out delver decks or you know it's delver <laughs> like you can just say delver and i even say delver of secrets and everyone knows what you're talking about um for the most part with modern you have a smaller card pool so particular interactions might not be seen right off the bat just for instance um just most recently the expertise cards that came out everyone was like snapping up split cards left and right until Watsi was like, okay, so this is how split cards are going to interact with their casting cost, how they read. Yeah. That was just a, a, uh, a exploit of how the rules worked. Yeah. So like an expertise card, you could cast like a, a split card that had a two CMC off of say, uh, Carrie Zev's expertise, but end up casting like a six mana spell. Like, you could cast Karizev's Expertise, and then you cast Breaking and Entering, which mills you for eight, and then you put a creature that's in your graveyard into play and give it haste. Yeah, which, you know, hasty Emrakul, hey. Turn, yeah, that's, turn that's three. pretty pretty good. Uh, the the other deck that exploited this was Brain in a Jar, plus, plus a Beck and Call. Oh, yeah. The... Where Beck and Call is, Beck is blue-green, and you get the Glimpse of Nature effect, that whenever a creature comes into play, you draw a card, and then Call was four blue white four blue white and it makes four one one birds with flying. Yeah, it's draw four. So you cast both of them, make four one ones, draw four cards. Yeah. It's it's interesting. But it it was really more it was it now the expertise decks didn't necessarily break the format, but they were definitely doing things in an unfun way. Yeah, it, it was an example it's it's one of the most recent examples where printing new cards that kind of like explore new design space have some unfavorable or unintended interactions with older cards say for instance the eldrazi spring after pro tour oath of the Gatewatch, where hey look at all these cool eldrazi cards we started printing some like with lower mana costs because you know the eldrazi are taking over oh wait we have cards in modern that make stuff cheaper <laughs> so and they, they they admitted that they literally had a meeting where they're like we know that eldrazi temple and ayavu can exist in modern are we okay printing these and they said yes so the thing was so eldrazi temple basically is an ancient tomb which is taps for two colors mana when it's casting an eldrazi and ayavugan reduces its casting cost by two so uh, other fun thing uh eldrazi temple also um lets you tap for two to activate abilities of eldrazi so uh eldrazi temple plus eldrazi displacer is really funny oh god yeah because then you can because some <laughs> of the original kind of bant builds when the uh, I of Ugin still existed. Would use Drowner of Hope and just start. Yeah. And we've used Drowner of Hope, um, the Displacer, and just start generating a crap ton of mana. Yeah. But uh, the 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 main problem with those kind of and this t- tends to be kind of a issue we'll also talk about in a second. But reducing mana costs by any means has always led to problems in older formats, like. Almost always. Like, Improvise has yet to really break through in Modern. Oh, okay. Well, all right. But, uh, like, yeah, Delve, that did not end well for Modern. But no, so, the, the, like, the, with the Eldrazi thing, like, we still have Simeon Spirit Guide. Hey, it's free mana by exiling a card. <laughs> so, what would, they would do is, so you, you'd, the, if you were around and remember it, you know, have an Ivugan out, cast Eldrazi Mimic for free, Eldrazi Mimic for free, uh, Eldrazi Mimic for free, uh, Eldrazi Mimic for free. Okay, cool. That's five cards out of your hand. Then your god draws like an Eldrazi temple or another Ayavugan. Well, Ayavugan's no, legendary. Right, so it has no, to be, so be a temple. temple. So you slam a temple, 
pull a Simeon Spirit Guide off the top, exile it for mana, use that one plus the other, the two mana reduction cost plus the two mana off of Eldrazi Temple, cast yourself a Reality Smasher, swing for 25 on turn two. That is uh, the godliest of draws. It's the godliest of draws, but it happened on camera. <laughs> yeah. So. Like, it's one of those, like, it's preserved for all time in Magic Annals of, on camera, this this degenerate win con of just dumping yeah. your hand and winning on turn two. Uh, but we mentioned Delve. Delve, like, made Delver decks go huge because... Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time also helped, like, Twin and Scape Shift a bunch as well, like... Oh man. Dig through time searching about you know, 10% of your deck is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Treasure Cruise got hit really early. Then Dig got hit um, right around the time Birthing Pod got hit. Uh, Birthing Pod having the problem of uh, limiting the ability of creature decks to diversify in the format. Yeah, because you either played Pod or you played something that wasn't creature based. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a deck that I was very happy to see leave that other people were not uh, was Splinter Twin. Because when you had Splinter Twin and you were playing blue-red, the best deck to play that was blue and red was Splinter Twin. Yeah, it's like, if you're playing blue and you're playing red, why aren't you playing twin? Granted, I fall in the pl- in the group of players and I felt sad when it left because I just built it. Because I was like, hey, <laughs> I want to back up to my Infect deck. Granted, the, 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 the monetary complaint of I just built this deck, now it's gone has more weight to it than, oh, I think this deck was fine. Splinter Twin died for our sins. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> no, but it's um, also, it was also, we say, I, I'd like to joke about that because it, it did kind of die for the sins of people demanding modern Pro Tours. It's like, all right, well, you guys want this format to be healthy. Guess what? Splinter Twin's gone. See ya. This is what you get. And then, of course, yeah, Eldra- and then we had and the Eldrazi come deck in and, and, and was like, yeah, definitely no more modern Pro Tour. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Uh, now the reason why the Eldrazi Eldrazi Spring uh, was really really bad was because there was like three modern GPs one weekend, and like the top eight of all of them included like six uh, Eldrazi decks, and I think the top eight of the American one had involved like three different flavors of Eldrazi decks, like Bant, Blue Red, and like some other combination. Yeah, color, it was colorless. Weird. The colorless Eldrazi decks. Um, yeah, uh, but hey, Eldrazi still exists in modern because they banned out. Ivugan, we have Ban Eldrazi, which to be fair is actually fair. It's just it's probably like I won't even lie. I hate playing against it, but it's actually a pretty fair um, creature based strategy for modern. As far as modern goes, it's a pretty fair deck. Casting turn two thought nuts here still isn't fun. Oh, it sucks. But it sucks. But it doesn't happen as frequently as you would expect, and and it's much more fair than the broken versions. Yeah, it's and I'm glad that Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher have a home in modern. Oh, agreed. They're great cards. I love the cards. I just they're 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 also like I they're they're cards that like you enjoy playing with, but you also hate seeing on the other side of the board. It's like if that was on my side of the board, sweet. But against it, <laughs> yeah, um, it gets it gets a little weird. So kind of like with the pod thing though too, like it was just suppressing and like it was also something where it was affecting standard. Where, like, they printed um, the, the main culprit was Seed Rhino. Like, that was, I guess, the straw that broke the rhino's back. Um, yeah, basically. You have a four mana, four five trample with the life swap, with the, the life drain ability on it. And you're just like, sweet. Get right in my deck that's already a thing that exists. Um, like, they had like they had to temper standard cards, and you, they don't really do that for modern. Like, they don't test it. Yeah, they basically banned it so that they could not have artificial shackles placed on them for creature design. And towards the end of its time in modern, Gitaxian Probe was a total issue. Like, I won't lie. I played a deck that played Gitaxian Probe and pretty much existed because of Gitaxian Probe. I hate to I hate to admit it, but Infect was a thing because of Gitaxian Probe. Playing with a six uh, with a fifty six card deck that also drew you four cards technically and you could see your opponent's hand for that kind of deck perfect like to be like when i mentioned this looking at the modern metagame right now the modern metagame pulls on this i'm doing control f in fact 0.023 or 0.23 not even and it used to be like upwards of eight it was the top it was the top deck in the format on this pull like at like eight to nine to twelve percent at one point it's less than a quarter of a percent now in this metagame. One card ban. Yeah. 
to be fair, I'm okay with that. It sucks for me because it's my pet deck. And I made the joke on Twitter earlier today. I was like, hmm, I wonder how the r slash infect subreddit's going. Like 13 posts in the last 30 days. In one month, they've had only 13 posts. And a majority of them are like 12 days and older. So it's not seeing much thing. The the archetype is nearly dead. But we can kind of rotate, pull into another thing here. Choice bannings. They've actually done some good job recently with some choice bannings. Like we mentioned, they got rid of Feldar Guardian. So long goes the kitty. Feldar combo's dead. Standard, for better or for worse, has changed. Um, Gitaxian probe going. Sweet. Changed the format up. However, still, because they love to adapt, Death Shadow aggro is still a deck. But it, it is surprising that how long it took Death Shadow to be to go from a, like, oh, you're so cute deck to a, oh, this is real deck. And what's funny is it was the same deck. It didn't really pick up anything. It just took a long time for people to realize it was busted. Um, Granted, they are now moving more towards like the mid-range version where you're playing Liliana the Veils, you're playing Thought Seizes, which you would play normally. Yeah, it's uh, it's the evolution of the, like, because Jund loves just evolving because, you know, that's kind of what Jund does. It evolves. Jund will, <laughs> what is Jund will never die. Yeah, and it, you know, moved on to its current state. And to be fair, like, it sucks. It's annoying to play against, like I said, but it's not a bad deck. Like, it will lose. It can lose. Yeah. And it doesn't lose, it doesn't win an inordinate amount of time to its losses. Like, again, guess what the best deck is in the modern metagame pool in terms of the, the sh- percentage? It's Affinity. It's yeah. still there. It's yeah. seen bands. And Affinity is what? 6% of the meta? 7.25. It's 7 yeah. and a quarter. Um, now, gift, I, your now gift, I do your gift go, Storm is 6.5%. Like, that's the okay, second. Okay, that scares me. That's the second. That scares that's me. That's the second best. <laughs> that's the second highest meta in the pool. Next up, Eldrazi Tron, Burn, Death Shadow Aggro, Dredge, Counters Company, which I guess is what they're calling um, Obzon, you know, whatever the heck they're calling, Obzon Company now. Um, now, that the fact that you said Storm was the second represented deck on the metagame scares me because I don't want my deck to get banned again. Also, I don't. I don't want it. 3% of the metagame, Nightfall. Like the one that yeah. everyone's just like, meh, whatever. Kind of like this, this miss of the cheeky combo. It's not terrible. Ad nauseum. No, Nightfall's hilarious. It has more of a metagame share on this pull than Bant Eldrazi, which we just talked about. Yeah. Tron is kind of waning right now because it's shifting more towards Eldrazi's side. But, yeah, you know, Eldrazi yeah. are fun to play. Lantern Control still around. You know, your Merfolk are still around. It's, it's a very healthy format right now because of some of these choice bannings. Like... They got rid of Pod, fine. They got rid of uh, Dig Through Time, fine. They got rid of Treasure Cruise, great. They got rid of, uh, you know, uh, Eye of Ugin. Yeah, that hurt the Tron decks, but still overall fine because it nerfed the Eldrazi decks as well. Um, then you lose Gitaxian Probe, just nerfs um, Infect into the ground. Kind of bent, broke Death Shadow a little bit, but they adapted, which is fine. Like, these decks have cards that are going to be fine to play, and it's Modern is a great example of right now a uh, how they can wax and wane between this format is just complete utter trash to oh it's actually a pretty fun format to play right now. So a thing that I do want to stress, like I do not think that it is feasible to expect a standard metagame to be as diverse as modern. I just do not think that that is that is possible. Oh, it's never going to happen. Like if you like if you say like in standard the best deck is eight percent of the meta, then I think that every card is probably just really really bad. And you don't want, and Magic players don't want bad cards. They want good cards. They want to be able to play powerful things. And you don't want a format, and you don't want them to not make the Emrakuls. You don't want them to not make, um, like, the Gideons or anything. You want them to make powerful cards. Yeah. But you don't want them to, like, for standard specifically, the Felidar Guardian oversight is still baffling to me. But I, I, we're not inside the building. No. But, like, I mentioned earlier, four archetypes, 75% of the meta. Technically, that could be fine if it was. Like, I would a, rather that be like five five decks be seventy five percent of the meta, or like five decks be sixty five percent of the meta. But well, what, I think that on average, that's going to be more than fine. Well, yeah, I mean, four decks at seventy five percent—that's great because that still leaves twenty five percent for you to do whatever the heck you want to do. My beef is with that seventy five percent is that thirty percent of it, so basically close to half of that seventy five percent is one deck. If it was a more, yeah. if it was more flatter curve, like say Blu-ray Control right now is eleven point two, 
it's 11.3. If that was up around like 17% and you know, the other ones were kind of evened out as well, like Marty vehicles, like 21 mono or the, the multiple zombie decks combined for about 20%. And that brings team or Aetherworks down to, you know, a healthier level. Like you can, you may, you flatten out that curve of where one spiked up against the rest of them. Then that's a little bit better. Cause right now, like in standard got to beat Marvel. Can't be Marvel. What are you doing? Why are you playing? Pretty it? much. Um, I'm doing something real quick, and I'm hoping that this will help me find something hey, useful. you know what's a fun card against it, the Marvel? Uh, what is it? Spellcaller. <laughs> Blue-white midrange Spell, is still Spellcaller is very good against Marvel. The, the the vestiges of the old Bant Company deck still exist in standard these days. It's got, you know, you got your Thraven Inspector, Selfless Spirit, Sp- Sky Spawner, Spellcaller, Avacyn decks out there. They still exist. Yeah. But yeah, Spellqueller is a good answer. Granted, apparently Spellqueller is not doing great right now, partially because of Zambies. Oh, yeah. You know, that said. Yeah, it's kind of the, the mid range deck kind of has a hard time dealing with those Gawai decks. But yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to save this for another podcast because I don't want to spend a bunch of time with this. But I was curious and I'm, and I'm looking up the Pro Tour Gate Crash metagame breakdown, but apparently that is going to require more effort than I anticipated it was going to be. So we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. So, but other than that, like, kind of as, kind of as a, as a reflection. Yeah. Nice little wrap. But for, for wrapping up, like broken metas right now, standard. Like we could kind of talk. Like I guess the better thing for standard is not broken. It's unhealthy. Unhealthy versus broken is kind of a fine line, but also very distinct. Um, so it not being healthy right now, fine. Like modern, not broken, pretty healthy. Standard, not broken, pretty unhealthy. 1v1 commander, probably broken. <laughs> but and if it's broken, it's definitely unhealthy. Yeah. Um, it's one of those like you got to fall in it. But yeah, I think 1v1 commander in terms of the meta, like the different formats out there, is probably the closest to being like just broken right now just because you have to play a color or this color or you're doing it wrong. Yeah, pretty much. So, but in any case, I like talking meta games. It's fun, number crunching. But meta talk is always interesting, whether or not it's good or not. That's that's a different story. So that brings us to the end here. Ian, if people wanted to find you on social media, where can they do that? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That is D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Um, like I said, schedule kind of crazy. Um, streaming has been put basically on hold for right now, unfortunately. Uh, just follow on either or. I'll probably announce some random stream at random time. I want to draft some more uh, Amaket because, my God, the format's been fun the couple times I've drafted it. It is really, really fun. Um, and if schedules yeah. work out, maybe John can join in at some point, but we'll see. I've got a couple weeks left before more craziness happens, so we'll see how it goes. Anyway, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwally129. Uh, I'm also on Twitch at the same handle. Just go ahead and just say hi if you see me in a chat room. I don't bite, I promise. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or you can shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. Please give us your feedback. We would love to hear how we can best help you, our listeners, and how we can improve the podcast in general. That's been Ian. I'm John. Talk to you guys next time.